Buccaneers and Colts get much needed wins. They're super close to securing a playoff spot. Chiefs hold on against the Dolphins. Dolphins show heart, but not enough. Bills take care of the Steelers. They are for reals. In the Premier League, Wolves lose again. Wolves lose to Aston Villa in the last minute. What is going on with the Wolves? Lackluster Manchester Derby. Not a lot of action, not a lot of talk about lackluster Manchester Derby. Chelsea loses a golden opportunity to go top of the table. They lose to Everton. Everton might be back. We'll see. This is Hard to Handle Sports, episode number 22. Thanks so much for being here. My name is Ismael San Juan. Let's get started. In week 14 of the NFL season, two key games that had a lot of playoff implication. Vikings versus Buccaneers, Raiders versus Colts. Vikings versus Buccaneers, I predicted that the Buccaneers would win. I thought they had the bye week. Brady's amazing after the bye week. Bruce Arians was going to make the right adjustments. I did not trust the Vikings. I did not trust Kirk Cousins, especially after the way they played last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Buccaneers were able to hold on for the victory, 26-14. to um, The game started off with the Vikings starting off hot, took the lead, missed extra point, and then they had a couple chances to extend the lead, couldn't get it done. Dan Bailey missed three field goals in the game and an extra point. I think that was the key to the game. Uh, the Vikings started off pretty good, but they couldn't build on their lead. They couldn't capitalize on the momentum that they had at the beginning of the game. That proved to be costly, especially when your kicker leaves 10 points on the board in a close game, 26-14. to 14. Um, after, after they scored their second touchdown, they had to go for two points because they did not trust their kicker at all. Uh, they were actually The Vikings were actually able to run against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers rushing defense. I thought they were going to be able to slow down Dalvin Cook, but he had a pretty good game. Not an amazing game by his standard, but he had a good game. Uh, his average was good. He looked strong. He looked good, but just missed opportunities by the Vikings. Couldn't capitalize on their early momentum. Um, at the beginning of the game, Brady looked a little shaky. He missed Gronk. Uh, he had him pretty wide open going down the field. He missed a couple of throws to Evans. I know there was one that I saw that he missed to Godwin. Godwin was doing like a 10 or 15 yard in. Wide open. Missed him. At the beginning of the game, it looked like it was going to be an... Uh, it looked like the Vikings were in control. It looked like the Buccaneers might be a little a little um, out of rhythm, out of their bye week. But like I said, the Vikings missed their opportunities to take the lead. They missed their opportunity to take control of the game. If they would have scored another touchdown when it was 6-0, they would have pushed that lead to 14-0 and really put the Buccaneers out of their game plan. I think that would it would have gone a whole different way. But the Buccaneers were able to stay at it, stay at it. Um, Brady missed a couple deep throws, and then he was able to hit one to Miller, and they just held on. The Buccaneers held on. This was a must-win. This was a must-win game for the Buccaneers if they would have lost after the bye week to the Minnesota Vikings, who were one spot behind them in the wild card positioning. It would have been terrible. The media would have killed them. Questions would have been asked, but they were able to hold on. Um, their defensive line had six sacks on the day. Really sacked um, Kirk Cousins. When they needed him the most, when the game was 14-23, uh, the Vikings had a goal-to-goal situation. There was still enough time on the clock where they could make a comeback. And Kirk Cousins takes back-to-back sacks, pushes them all the way back to like the 25 or the 30-yard line. And then Dan Bailey misses another field goal. And that was pretty much it. Buccaneers get another field goal, extend the lead to two, 
two possession game or extended to two touchdown lead. And after that, it was it was done. Vikings couldn't get anything going. Uh, I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did a good job on Thielen. They did a good job good job on Jefferson. Um, Cook Cook got his yards, but like I said, the Vikings if if they're they're gonna lament this game because they had some opportunities at the beginning of the game to really take a commanding lead, really put the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a tough position, make them throw their game script away. But they weren't able to capitalize. Dan Bailey. Kickers continue to be a problem for the Minnesota Vikings. They can't seem to find a solid kicker. It seems like every season the Vikings are always in the market for a kicker. We're always talking about their kickers. And this season is another season where the Vikings can't find a quality kicker. So I think they really need to address that. I think the Vikings, this this loss kind of, this is kind of it for the Vikings, especially because the Cardinals won. And the Vikings have a tough schedule still remaining or relatively tough schedule. Uh, the Vikings have the Bears, the Saints, and the Lions. They need, I think they need to win out to have a chance. And the Bears just won today. Bears look um, pretty good since they've put uh, Mitch Trubisky back. It's crazy to say, but Mitch Trubisky's actually been playing pretty solid. So that's going to be a tough game for the Vikings. And then they play the Saints uh, with Drew Brees. Should be back by then. Saints just lost to the Eagles today. So you, you never know in the NFL any given Sunday, but... Uh, it's going to be tough for them to run the table, and then they're going to need results. So we'll see how they, they finish. But missed opportunity by the Vikings today. Um, like I said, they had chances in the beginning of the game to really put the Buccaneers in a tough spot. Unable to capitalize. More kicker problems. And that's it. That might be the season for the Vikings. They missed a golden opportunity. They would have won this game. They would have been tied with the Buccaneers 7-6. Seven, seven they would have had the tiebreaker against the Buccaneers. Head-to-head tiebreaker. Um, it could have been good for the Vikings. Unfortunately, they f- they fought short. Uh, they should still he- uh, he- hold their head high for the comeback they made this season. I had them out after like week five or six when they were like one and four. And for them to still be in a position to fight for a playoff spot uh, going into week 15, um, nothing to head- hold your head down. Uh, next Next season, they just got to start out faster. They can't put themselves in that big of a hole. They still have a quality roster, but they should fix their offensive line because uh, Cousins has never been the most mobile guy. And they should also work on their defense, um, try to get more pass rushers. Try to, they didn't get a single sack today. They weren't able to pressure uh, Tom Brady. So I think the Minnesota Vikings should start looking towards next season. It's going to be real hard for them to make the playoffs this year. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, able to hold on, able to get a victory after the bye week, 8-5 and five now. Uh, three games left. They play the Falcons twice and the Lions smacked in the middle. They should be able to get three victories, three out of three, finish the season 11-5, and five, go back to the playoffs after a lot of years. And once they get in the playoffs, we'll see how they do. I don't think they match up well against a lot of the NFC teams, but anything can happen. Brady has never gone to a Super Bowl when he has to go away from home, so it might be different this time because he's Tampa Bay, but we'll see. Uh must win victory for Buccaneers, and they get it done. I predicted they were going to win. They did win, so I'm happy to see that. Uh, and for the Vikings, maybe next year, uh, just start off. You can't put yourself in a big, this big of a hole and climb out of it. It's super, it's a, it's a tough spot to put yourself in. And just next year, fix the line, fix that defense, and you guys will have a shot. Uh, the second game that I had predicted before Week 14 was the Colts versus the Raiders. 
Colts versus Raiders came in as the seventh and eighth seed in the in the AFC. Uh, it, the the first the first half was close, and then the the Colts pulled away in the second half. Take away from this game, the Raiders won't be contenders till they fix their defense. Uh, I think Carr played good this today. Uh, you can't put the blame on him. He had a couple interceptions, but he, relative uh, to how the defense played, the offense played pretty good. Uh, I think this def- this this falls on the defense. Uh, it's going to be real hard for the Raiders to make the playoffs after losing this game. They have the Dolphins ahead of them. If the Ravens win, they're ahead of them, and they have uh, who's the who's the third team? They have the Dolphins, Ravens. That that might be it. I think that's just the three teams that are ahead of them. But after this loss to the Colts, real tough, real tough for the Raiders. They have the Chargers next, so they should be able to get a victory and get back on winning. But win out, win the last three games, and they finish ten and six. But they do have they do have the Raiders. They do have the Dolphins left, so that might whoever loses that game will for surely be uh, done. But the Raiders they haven't looked that strong the last few weeks. Especially after the loss to the Falcons, they just lost a lot of steam. Uh, if they would have been able to somehow pull up another upset against the Chiefs, we may be talking differently about them right now. They they might have carried that momentum from that victory, and they could be sitting way uh, higher in the standings. But they lost to the Chiefs. They lost to the Falcons. Squeaked out a, a win against the Jets, and got beat pretty badly at home against the Colts. As far as the Colts, uh, Colts are starting to look like contenders. T.Y. Hilton is coming around. Uh, he finished with two touchdowns, five receptions for 86 yards. He's looked, he's come alive the last three weeks. T.Y. Hilton's back. He he looks he looks healthy again. He's running fast. He's burning teams down the middle. He's coming back to live. They're gonna need him in the playoffs. It does look like the Colts should make the playoffs now. And Jonathan Taylor, their rookie, looked amazing. Career high 150 yards on 20 carries. He broke a long one. He look he looks fast. He looks he looks healthy. I know he had some injuries in the middle of the season. He missed some games because of COVID. And Phillip Rivers had another clean game, 244 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Defense played solid again. Uh, they held the Raiders to 20 points, and then they got a garbage garbage touchdown at the end. But uh, good game by the Colts. Um, it looked like it was going to be a shootout at the beginning. It looked like they were going to go head-to-head, but Colts were able to pull away in the second half. They were able to force turnovers. Uh, the Raiders had three turnovers. The Colts had zero turnovers. Uh, I think that was the key to the game. Colts were smart with the ball. They didn't give the ball away. Raiders had three turnovers. It's hard to beat a good team like the Colts when you have three turnovers and they don't turn the ball over. Uh, for the for the Colts, like I said, solid defense. Phillip Rivers is playing clean football. T.Y. Hilton's coming alive. You have Pittman. You have some two solid tight ends. You have like three solid running backs, Hines, Taylor, Wilkins. Colts, Colts, Colts might make some, might make some noise when they get to the playoffs. If Philip Rivers is could just play smart football, keep them in good down to, down to go distances, and if he doesn't have turnovers, they have a nice squad where they could make some noise. That defense is good. Frank Wright is a great coach. He's not afraid to go for it on fourth downs. He puts pressure on the other teams. Philip Rivers not throwing interceptions. Jonathan Taylor. Getting into form, T.Y. Hilton coming back, looking like a number one wide receiver. The Colts can make some noise when they get into the playoffs. And for the Raiders, fix that defense, fix that defense, and hold on to the football. 
it doesn't look like it's going to be this year. It doesn't look like the Raiders are going to punch a ticket to the to the playoffs this year. Unfortunate for the Raiders. I know there's a lot of Raider fans out there that were real hopeful for this season, especially the way they started, especially after upsetting the Chiefs. And I know there was a lot of optimism after losing a close game to the Chiefs the second time around. And that optimism is dwindling right now, losing to the Falcons, squeaking out a victory to the Jets, and losing at home to the Colts. Uh, unfortunate three games for the for the Raiders. Most 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 fans would have thought that they would have ran the table. They would have won all three games after playing the Chiefs so close. One and two in these two games kind of sinks them, kind of kills their hopes for this season. But they still have an outside shot, so we'll see if they're able to run the table, finish ten and six. And if they finish ten and six, that might be enough. But if they get to the playoffs with that defense, it, I don't see them progressing too too much. But Maybe it's all for the better. Maybe next season when there's fans, the Raiders could uh, end their playoff drought with the fan, with the fans there in Las Vegas supporting them. But for the time being, unfortunate how the Raiders have played the last few weeks and the Colts seem to be rounding into form. They're still tied with the Titans at 9-4 and four for the division lead. Titans still hold the tiebreaker, but now the Colts are in a real good position to at least get a wildcard spot. And they might make some noise when they make the playoffs. I used to be a Charger fan when they were in San Diego, so I have some ties to Phillip Rivers. So I do wish him the best. I hope he goes far into the playoffs. He he deserves he deserves a good team, and now the Colts have put a great team around him. So we'll see how far the Colts could do could go. But it was a good game, especially in the first half when it was closer. Colts pulled away in the second half. Solid, solid game. And another game that I had predicted: uh, Dolphins versus Chiefs. Uh, I thought I thought it was gonna be a close game. I thought the Chiefs were gonna pull away in the second half, and uh, I, I think I predicted a 12-point victory by the by the Chiefs. It turned out to be closer. Uh, Chiefs beat the Dolphins 33-27, six-point win by the Chiefs. Uh, the game was really close at the beginning. Uh, for the game, Mahomes had three interceptions. Super unchar- uncharacteristic of him. He came into Week 14 with just two interceptions, both of them against the Raiders. So he had not thrown an interception to any other team. The Dolphins are great at creating turnovers, and they showed it again today, costing uh, three interceptions to Mahomes. At the beginning of the game, it looked like the Dolphins might run away with it. They had a 10-0 lead. Uh, the Dolphin, I mean, the Chiefs weren't finding their footing on the offensive side. It wasn't until Tyreek Hill had an end around, and he... I think he scored it from like 35 yards out. Tyreek Hill might be the best offensive weapon in the NFL. Wherever you put him in the slot, out out wide, doing end rounds, during sweeps, he's a menace. Uh, that speed, you can't teach speed. That's one of the old sayings in, in sports and football. You can't teach speed. And Tyreek Hill might be the fastest man in the world with pads on. And even without pads, he might be up there uh, as one of the fastest men alive. He's a, He's an amazing weapon. Uh, I think the ter- the game really turned in the like in the middle quarters in the third quarter especially uh the Chiefs, the Dolph- the Chiefs went on the run and the Dolphins had uh four possessions where they went three they went three and out three times and two a uh, through a pick in one of those so that middle part of the game really got away from the from the Dolphins but their Dolph- their defense was able to keep them in the game intercepting uh Xavier Howard uh, Savian Howard had another interception, his fifth game in a row with the pick. Really impressive stuff by him. He leads the NFL in interceptions, one-handed catch, highlight play, kept him in the game. 
And I was impressed by Tua. He kind of struggled at the beginning of the game. He wasn't throwing the ball with a lot of velocity. Uh, it just, especially in those four possessions that I, I mentioned where they went three and out three times and he threw an interception off a tiff pass. I, I was starting to lose a little confidence in the Tua project. I, was, I wanted to see more. And in the fourth quarter, he brought them back. He made it a game. Uh, and he lost Gusecki. Gusecki got hurt. His tight end. At the beginning of the game, Parker dropped a touchdown. Uh, Tua lobbed it pretty good. With, gave him a chance to get a touchdown. And Parker was in, unable to uh, come down with the ball. So I think the Dolphins need to... They already invested a lot of money on the defense uh, in this offseason. So that defense is legit. It, it looks strong. It competed today. They got three, like I said, three interceptions on Mahomes. But now they need to focus on the offensive side. They need to give uh, Tua some more weapons so that he could really thrive and shine and fulfill his potential. Because Parker, uh, I don't know if he's a number one. Uh, he, he drops some passes that he should catch sometimes. I think he's better suited to be a number two. So if they get him a number one, a true number one wide receiver, uh, I think he could progress. He could make uh, leaps and bounds of progression. Kaseki, he's a good tight end. Fortunately, he got hurt. And they didn't have a run game all game. They really suffer. They can't get, they can't seem to run the ball. Uh, Gaskin missed the game because of COVID protocol. So they were without some weapons. But overall, good display by the Dolphins. They showed heart coming back, making it a game. And uh, the Chiefs, it's another it's not another one of those games where it's a close game. But um, were, were the Chiefs really ever in trouble? I don't think so. Even when they were down 10-0, I didn't really think they were going to lose the game. When the Dolphins made that comeback and they made it kind of close, I never really thought that they were going to come all the way back and upset the Chiefs. The Chiefs, there's a lot of teams that they should be beating by multiple scores, double-digit scores, and they seem to just do enough to beat them. I hope they don't carry. I hope they don't carry this into the playoffs. Uh, I think they do have like an on and off switch that they could turn on. So I still have, they're my Super Bowl pick and the Steelers lost. So they're that number one seed in the AFC. They should get the bye. They should hold on and get the bye. They have the Saints next and Drew Brees should be coming back, I believe. So that's going to be an interesting matchup next week. But it was a great game. Dolphins show hard. Tua showed promise, especially in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter. Um, And the Chiefs, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. They won again. At the end, the score looked closer than uh, maybe the game reflected, but that's how the Chiefs are playing their games this season. It seems like a little closer, a little too close to comfort maybe for some Chiefs fans. But they're getting the victory, and that's all that matters. So they're, they're their number one seed now. Uh, I do have them beating the Saints next week and holding on to that uh, division lead now that they have a one-game cushion on the Steelers. But great game. Tua showed some promise. I like what I saw from him in the fourth quarter. Give him more weapons, Dolphins, and we'll see how far he's able to carry you guys. Dolphins do have a tough schedule, so we'll see if they're able to hold on to that seventh seed. The Ravens are going to be right there, breathing down their necks, and the, the Raiders are going to be down there too. So I do want to see the Dolphins in the playoffs. I think it'll be good to see a rookie quarterback like Tua in the playoffs. So I'm rooting for the Dolphins. Dolphins, hold on to that playoff spot. I'm rooting for you guys. And on Sunday Night Football, the Bills played the Steelers. The Steelers were coming off a Monday Night Football defeat to the uh, Washington football team. And the Bills were coming off a big victory on Monday, on the, the early Monday game against the 49ers. And at the beginning of the game, it was a very, uh, it was a, it was a game highlighted by defense. At the beginning of the game, there was like 10 punts in the first half, something like that. It was a lot of punts. 
Uh, it seems like the offense couldn't get anything going on both sides. Especially for the Bills, they couldn't get anything going. They had like a field goal to show for all their efforts in the first half. And Big Ben throws a pick six and missed extra points. So they they had nine points going into the half. The Steelers don't have the offense to make up for Big Ben's mistakes. He needs to be more ball savvy. He needs to take care of the ball better because if he throws a pick six and he threw another pick uh, later in the game when he was trying to bring them back, that offense is not potent enough to come back from they're struggling to score points just as it is and it's even harder if they're giving up points while they're on the field no pick sixes no formal returns for touchdowns and big man just needs to take better care of the football but for the bills they cement themselves as a true contender as a true contender in the afc uh, i think they're the second best team in the afc behind the steelers I mean, behind the Chiefs, they're a better team than the Steelers. I thought the Steelers were kind of fluky 11-0. Now they lost two games in a row. We'll see how they finish the season. But now they have the Browns breathing down their necks. We'll see how the Browns do on Monday Night Football. But the Steelers, they might be pretenders. I don't know if they make the playoffs. It doesn't look like they're going to they're gonna have a bye week now because the Chiefs are ahead of them. Uh, depending on the matchup in the first round, I could see them just getting eliminated in the first round. Their defense is getting beat up. I don't trust Big Ben at this stage in his career. Uh, I I don't trust him to be able to push the ball down the field. The wide receivers are dropping a lot of balls again. Steelers might be in a little bit of a mess right now. 11-0, a lot of people said it was kind of fluky. The schedule was soft. We're starting to see the real Steelers right now. Two games in a row. Two losses in a row, losing to the Washington football team, losing to the Bills on Sunday Night Football. And for the Bills, they have two primetime games back-to-back. Monday night victory against the 49ers, Sunday night victory against the Steelers. And I think it was it was like one more time, it was the Josh Allen to Stephon Diggs show. Stephon Diggs is balling out. Uh, the Bills, both the Bills and the Vikings won that trade. The Bills got Stephon Diggs, a bona fide number one, a real weapon that Josh Allen can trust. And the Vikings were able to draft Justin Jefferson and replace Stephon Diggs with a cheaper contract, younger talent. But I think both both teams are winners, but I think the I think the Bills are just a little bit more of winners. Vikings by no means they didn't get a bad end, but if the Bills don't make that trade, I don't think Josh Allen makes that the leap that he's made this year. And he's really looks he really looks like a franchise quarterback now. Instead of last year, he was still making a lot of mistakes, and and they were highlighting how he's fixing his mechanics. He's He's using the right like form. He's using his hips. The shoulders are all aligned correctly, and all all that stuff makes sense. But if you don't have a number one right receiver like Stephon Diggs, I don't think he makes the jump that he's made this year. And Stephon Diggs has balled out. He's justified trading a first round pick for him. He he has amazing footwork. He has he's probably the best route runner in the NFL. Him, Devontae Adams, and uh, Keenan Allen could all duke it out for the who who runs the crispiest cleanest route but he put on a show on monday night football getting lost from um, sherman and verrett and now he put on another show against the steelers sometimes he has like five six yards of separation he runs such crispy routes the dolphins look really good especially in the second half and i'm a dolphin believer now they should win their division now they have two game lead against the dolphins and i think that will make some noise in the playoffs i could see them definitely getting to the afc championship and giving the Chiefs their run for their money. Uh, Josh Allen against Patrick Mahomes, that would be a sight to see in the playoffs. 
two big quarterbacks that extend the play, that have rocket arms. Uh, that pregame warm-up, which would be something to see if, if they're both throwing like bombs down the field. I really like the Bills. The Bills are building something. Uh, they're building a nice squad. Their defense is starting to pick it up, too. So I really like the Bills. I really like what I saw from them. I think they're for real. Josh Allen just keeps making strides. It seems like every game he's he's able to pick up blitzes. He's able to analyze defenses. I like what I see from the Bills. I'm a believer. I'm a believer. <laughs> but yeah, the Bills, another primetime win. Uh, I'm glad that national audience is able to see the Bills. They deserve, after being kind of irrelevant for the latter part of like the last 15 years, 20 years, it's, it's good to see them back as uh, contenders, as an entertaining team. I know the Bills have one of the most diehard fans in Buffalo in the NFL. They have crazy fans. They do crazy stuff in their in their pregame and their tailgates so i think they deserve it good for buffalo good for the bills it's good for the nfl to have that fan base back i know they they always talk about their stadium how it's one of the loudest it's one of the best home field advantages so shout out to the bills i'm a fan i'm a fan of the team as a new as a neutral um fan of the nfl I, i like what i see from the bills i'm a believer and i'm excited to see them in the playoffs and if the steelers keep slipping up the Bills might take that number two seed. Doesn't really matter because they won't get a bye, but they will They will get the weakest, uh, the lowest seed in the wild card round, which should be the Dolphins or the Raiders or the Ravens. So we'll see who who gets that last playoff spot. But the Bills are looking nice. I, I, I kinda, I'm kind of rooting for a, a Bills-Chiefs AFC Championship game. I think that would be real entertaining, seeing Josh Allen going up against Patrick Mahomes. And just some other highlights for... Week 14 of the NFL, uh, Rams beat the Patriots on Thursday Night Football 24-3. Titans beat the Jaguars 31-10. Uh, Derrick Henry goes over 200 yards again. He's a beast. Uh, Broncos hold on against the Panthers 32-27. Bears 36, Texans 7. That surprised me. Trubisky's actually playing pretty decent the last two games. We'll see how that plays out. Cardinals beat the Giants 26-7. They claim that seventh playoff spot, the last wild card spot in the NFC again. We'll see if they're able to hold on. They should be able to hold on. They have the easier schedule. Cowboys beat the Bengals 30 to 7. Andy Dalton uh goes back, um, gets a little revenge against Cincinnati. Uh Seahawks beat the Jets 40 to 3. Uh, that was never really a game. Seahawks take care of business. Packers 31, Lions 4 24. Uh, Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams might be the best connection in the NFL. Packers get the number one seed in the NFC. Chargers 20, Falcons 17. Both teams were trying to throw the game away at the end. Uh, it was pretty funny to see both teams living up to their uh, to their billing, living up to their stereotypes, throwing games away at the end. Chargers in the end get a field goal to win the game. Washington 23, 49ers 15. Washington uh, gets first place in the NFC East. It looks like they should be able to hold on. They do look like the best team in the NFC East. That defense is legit. Uh, hopefully for them, Alex Smith is healthy because if Dwayne Haskins is their starting quarterback, he might throw their season away. Eagles get the upset against the Saints. Uh, Jalen Hurts looked good, looked solid, and uh, Taysom Hill wasn't able to bring the Saints back. The Saints must be pretty excited to have uh, Drew Brees back. Taysom Hill was a nice little, little run, but I think uh, we all know that the Saints 
are pretty excited to have Drew Brees back. And tomorrow, Ravens versus Browns. Uh, a lot of playoff implication in that game. Should be a good game. But that was it for the NFL content. Uh, switching over to the Premier League. In match day 12 of the Premier League, Wolves welcomed Aston Villa to Molly Nukes uh, in hopes of getting turning their season around, get, getting their season back on track. But unfortunately for them, Semedo makes a mistake at the end, concedes the penalty. El Ghazi converts for Aston Villa, and Aston Villa leaves with the 1-0 victory, um, sinking the Wolves even further this season. A very frustrating game to watch, especially if you're waking up at 4.30 in the morning like I did to catch this game. Real frustrating game. Um, highlights a lot of problems that the Wolves have. Wolves can't score goals to save their lives. Um, their midfield needs some energy and needs some juice. There's not enough energy coming from that midfield right now. There's no link up between the midfield, the defense and the midfield. It just seems like it goes, it's either one of our forward players is doing something or or we have the ball in the back just swinging it, swinging it side to side. The midfield needs to come alive. Tomato is a liability on defense. Uh, can't be overstated. $37 million, uh was a price tag that they brought him in for in the summer to replace Matt Doherty. And so far, uh, to say he's underperformed would be an understatement. He has not provided uh, that spark going forward. He has He's super pacey, and he's just not creating chances. He's not getting service across. Uh, what is Tomato doing? good right now i mean someone fill me in if you're a wolves fan comment down below what is tomato doing good right now because i i don't see too much too much things he's doing um he's not providing overlapping runs dangerous overlapping runs he's definitely not defending well <sighs> it's just frustrating that to see that the wolves spent 37 million on a guy like tomato that got torched in champions league uh last time he was in the spotlight and i mean for all the correct signings that the Wolves have done over the years, you think they would have been able to reinvest the Hota money in, into better quality players, like some low-key signings like Podens and stuff like that. Like, But no, they try to make a big splurge on the right-back position of all positions too. When you're trying to transition into a back four, didn't really understand the signing back then, but I trusted the board. I trusted Nuno. And honestly, Semedo has let me down a lot this this year. Hopefully he's able to turn it around, but it, he just looks like he's not a good defender, to be honest. Even in his time with Barcelona, his time here, he's just not a good defender. He needs to provide a lot going forward to make up for his uh, his liability on the defensive side, and right now he's not providing that going forward. That's one of the issues. Uh, another issue, like I said, the midfield is dead. Uh, Den Docker, Moutinho, they don't offer enough going forward. Then Docker had two chances today that he should have put away, one in the first half, one in the second half. The second half one, you got to finish those. You got to finish those. Neto shows his brilliance on the left side, does some fancy footwork, crosses it with the Rabona. Then Docker's in the middle of the of the box, wide open. You got to finish those chances. He basically kicks it straight to the goalkeeper. Goalkeeper makes a pretty good, decent save. But chances like that, then Donker, you have to finish that. But like I said, he's a defensive-minded midfielder. He's not a box-to-box. -box. He doesn't feel comfortable inside of the opponent's box, in my opinion. And you need you need a more offensive-minded midfielder that is able to put those chances away. We got Vitinho on a loan from Porto with the chance to buy, option to buy. We need to see him. We need to see him on the field. 
We need to see what he's able to provide for the team. Nevis needs to work his way back into the 11. He has been struggling this season, but he's super young. He has world-class potential. I need to see Nevis on the on the field. Um, what else is wrong with the Wolves? Uh, the forwards can't score. Uh, Silva looked good today. I wanted to see Silva in the starting 11, and Nuno put him in the starting 11. I think he did solid for his uh, you know, first start, 18 years old. His movement needs to be a little better. Uh, you could tell the difference having him and having Raul Jimenez. There was a couple of chances that I think Raul would have finished. Namely, like one one of the one of the last plays in the first half was a cross from the right side, and he, he was one of the first attackers um, in the box, and he he had a pretty clean header, but he's, he wasn't able to guide it. I think that header, if you guys watch the game, that's a header that Raul Jimenez maybe he doesn't score all the time, but he at least gets it in the goal and makes the keeper make a save, or at least. He gets it. He gets the ball on the goal on that opportunity. Don't blame Silva. That's a tough header. He just needs to keep progressing. I think he made some good runs. He needs to maybe work a little bit more on his runs. He did lose the ball in possession a couple of times, but for the most part, he was a good link-up player. He was opening the ball out to his wingers. So if if there's any assessment I have from Silva this game, is that he he looks promising, and I don't see why they shouldn't keep starting him. There's no other option really. It's either you play Potence at the false nine or you play Silva at, as your starting striker. And I think the formation with Silva as your starting striker is a little stronger. Potence a little back. Potence was another bright spot. Potence and Neto, bright spots. Uh, they look dangerous. Uh, there was a foul they called on Potence at the end. That was, that, was, that was bullshit in my opinion. That was not a foul. Potence was just running. That kind of led to the goal. It led to the, it led to the penalty after that play. And, but overall, just frustrating, frustrating game by the Wolves. Uh, this transition to the back four is more frustrating than I would have imagined. It's more, it's rough. It's 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 hard on the eyes. It's ah, uh, it's just been a rough season for the Wolves right now. I expected so much more from the Wolves, and they have Chelsea up next, so it doesn't get any easier. We'll see if they're able to turn their season around on Tuesday versus Chelsea, but. There's a lot of problems with this team that I just don't think can get fixed till the January transfer window or when Raul Jimenez comes back. Um, and another one, Adama Tare, he needs to keep progressing as a player for all the pace he has, for all the threat he is going forward, especially on the counterattack. He's just not there yet mentally. Uh, there was one play in the first half that really comes to mind where the Wolves have numbers on their counterattack and he has potence on the right side and he's pretty central. He's pretty central. He's pretty like in the middle of the field. And instead of progressing down the middle where the defenders have to stay with you in the middle and then you're able to lay the ball off to Potence and maybe Potence. If, if you keep going down the middle, defense stays compact in the middle and Potence makes that run and he's wide open. And Potence, Potence was already making that run. He's already on your right side. He's following along with you. But Adama Tare, he's not there yet mentally. He, he doesn't realize what's going on, and he cuts right. He cuts towards his right foot, which is his strong foot, but he cuts right. He basically cuts Potent's pathway, and then the def one defender is able to stop two players because they're both going the same way, and then he does a weak shot, and goalie stops it with no problem. It's just plays like that where Adama Torre just needs to find a way to assess the situation better and just have better end products, but... Frustrating Wolves start to the season, uh, but hopefully Silva 
keeps progressing. He looked good. He one of his chances went hit the post, unlucky. Maybe on another day he goes in. But we definitely need more energy in the midfield. Neto's a bright spot. Tomato. I think you need to sit Tomato for a game or two just to put him on notice that just because you came for thirty seven million doesn't mean you're always gonna start or you're an unquestioned starter. You gotta earn that spot and you gotta play better defense. There's no way people should be turning the corner on you so easily. It, they literally is just like a stop and go. The defender uh, accelerates, stops, tomato bites and goes super close to them, and then they just accelerate and go right past him super quick. Like, come on, tomato, you gotta do, you gotta be better than that. You gotta be better than that, especially on a team that's struggling to score. There can't be defensive lapses, and I, I feel like there's a lot coming from that right right back position because of tomato. Just frustrating start. I hope uh, the Wolves are able to turn it around against Chelsea. And as far as Aston Villa, uh, their surprise starts to the season continues. They move up in the table. They still have two games in hand, so they could potentially keep keep moving up. I had them going to. I had them getting relegated because last year they barely survived by one point, I believe. So they're surprising me. They're surprising a lot of teams. We'll see how far they could get it. They could keep going this season. But shout out to. Aston Villa for having a great start to the season. But that was it. That's it for this game. Frustrating game for the Wolves. Uh, and shout out, congratulations to Aston Villa for a solid game, solid start to the season. And we'll see how they keep progressing. Second game I wanted to touch on for match day 12 of the Premier League, Manchester City Derby. Uh, what can I say? It was a disappointment. It didn't live up to the expectations. It didn't live up to the hype. I thought there was going to be goals. I thought it was going to be exciting. I thought it was going to be back and forth. All the name players on both squads, Pogba, Fernandez, uh, Juan Bissaka, De Gea, uh, Luke Shaw, uh, Maguire, so many name players, Sterling, De Bruyne, Jesus, just so many quality players, so many recognizable names. And for the game to end 0-0, Four shots on target combined. Uh, disappointing game, in my opinion. Uh, I expected way more from this game. I thought it was going to be back and forth. I thought there was. I definitely thought there was going to be goals. I didn't expect it to be a nil-nil draw with only four shots on target. Uh, I was especially disappointed because it, it, it looked like both teams were content with the tie uh, in the second half when the game was in the balance. No one made a substitution that was like, okay, like this guy, this coach is going for the win. Both all the subs were kind of reserved. They were strategical. It looked like both teams were just content with the tie. City had a couple of chances in the second half. Jesus had one where he could have hit it first time into the goal. Instead, he just controlled it away from the goal and tried to find somebody else. It looked like the City players were lacking confidence. And another day when Jesus is confident, he hits that first time. Maybe it goes in. And then there was another chance where uh, De Bruyne laid it off to... Laid it off to uh, Marez, and Marez took forever to shoot. He let De Gea close the angle. He made he let De Gea made him make himself big, and he was able to stop that shot against Marez. On another day, Marez hits it first time, or takes one touch and hits it. Took too long. Just a frustrating game for City. Uh, United sat back. They closed. They closed all the angles. Maguire had one of his best games in the season. Uh, he looked pretty pretty solid back there. Fernandez didn't play that good. He had a couple of, like bad controls. He had a couple of bad passes, not common for Fernandez. Uh, Pogba played pretty good. Commentators were 
I know Pogba, had, everyone was talking about how his agent was saying that Pogba went out. He had a solid game. He he looked like he was invested in the team. A lot of times he, he doesn't put the effort, but this time he did. He was running, he was pressuring the goalkeeper. He was dropping back. He was he made himself present today, so that's all you could ask for. Uh, I think the best players today was Juan Bisaka and Luke Shaw. They looked, they looked solid in the back. Uh, Sterling and Marez couldn't get anything um, going on the flanks. I think Sterling and Marez looked timid, proposing, like running at defenders. I think that's one of their strengths when they run at defenders, when they make the, the defender backpedal and they're able to, you know, pick a side, go right, go left, cut in, take take it, take the ball to the touchline. I think they were a little timid in running at the defender because Juan Misaka and Luke Shaw are both really fast. So even if Marez and Sterling take them, their recovery time is is quick because they're so fast and they could accelerate so quick. So I think that deterred Marez and Sterling from running at them so much. They they never really took the ball to them. They were never they were never able to beat them like one on one and then go at the center backs. Luke Shaw and Juan Bisaka, solid game by them. They were able to keep everything in front of them. And but other than that, it was really, really uneventful game. Like it was it was kind of a snooze fest, not too many chances. Uh, didn't live up to the expectations. I expected more. I, I thought United was gonna come out. I was, I had a feeling United was gonna come out firing. They usually come out firing when Oli looks like he's about to lose his job, and they did get eliminated in Champions League. So I thought they were gonna push forward and try to win the game. But they said back Oli after the game said that this was the best game United has played against City since he's been the coach. I mean, I I didn't really see nothing special. I think he said that because they kept a clean sheet and. City didn't really have chances, so I guess I could see that point. But there was nothing special about this United today. So, like I said, Oli's United is a roller coaster. So this was one of their more, their less roller coaster games. Like there, there was no up and downs in the game. It was just pretty mediocre across the whole game. City too. So. I, I guess there were it was consistently boring, so maybe United is being more consistent now. Uh, but yeah, disappointing game in my opinion. Didn't live up to the hype. I thought there was going to be goals. I thought there was going to be fireworks. I thought that I thought the after game discussion was going to be way more entertaining. If whichever side won, uh, either if United won, like what's going on with Pep? Like did they not turn their season around? What's, what's going on with City? Or if City won, is Oli like in trouble? Or, like is Pogba going to leave? I thought it was going to be way more entertaining. I thought the headlines after the game were going to be uh, more lucrative, more easier to talk. But right now, like, not too much to talk about this game. Pretty uneventful game. Um, expected way more from this game. But that was the Manchester Derby. Hopefully the second time they played this season, it's a little more entertaining for everybody. Um, but, yeah, that was that was Manchester United versus City. And the last game I wanted to talk about for match day 12 of the Premier League, Everton versus Chelsea, one of the upsets of the week. Uh, I did not see this coming. Chelsea came in firing. They hadn't lost a game in 17 matches in all competitions. Everton, after their hot start, was really not playing uh, at all good. They had won one game out of their last seven games, I believe. And they are able to squeak out the 1-0 victory against Chelsea. Mendy, for all the great play he's had since he came over to Chelsea, had a mistake this game. He, he gave a penalty away. 
I think he was pressing a little bit just because a couple of minutes before the penalty, before his mistake that led to the penalty, he got hurt. He went up for a ball and he fell kind of awkwardly. And then the medical team had to come and give him some treatment. Um, and I think after the event, after that, he was pressing. He was trying to show that he was good. Uh, the ball, uh, Calvert-Lewin won a ball, won a header, and then he chased after it. And it was at the very outside of the box or like the very end of the box. And Mendy committed to going to get the ball. He didn't get there fast enough, tackled Calvert-Lewin. Easy penalty call. And then Sigurdsson put it away calmly. And then after that, Chelsea Chelsea was chasing the 1-0 defeat, the 1-0 deficit. And Everton just looked comfortable sitting back. Uh, They conceded all the possessions to Chelsea, 72% possession for Chelsea in the game but Chelsea never really looked dangerous they were without Pulisic they were without uh, Hudson-Odoi they were without Cisage so they were basically without all their wingers they had to play uh, Havertz up there and they had to play Werner on the left side and they're just not natural wingers they they don't present that threat they're not as quick as their natural wingers Werner's quick but he's more of a number nine Havertz what's going on with Havertz he seems to be a letdown too. They spent a lot of money to get him, and we're like a third through the season, and he has one goal and one assist combined. And we need to see more from Havertz. I think Chelsea fans need to be demand more from Havertz. He has a lot of talent, but he has not showed up so far in his first season in Chelsea. And for Everton, good win. They're able to they're able to squeak out the victory. Uh, Chelsea had some chances in the second half. They hit the post three times in the game. Uh, Pickford had a couple saves, but really Chelsea didn't look too dangerous. They were definitely missing their wingers, but I I did expect them to see the game out to come back, but they never really looked dangerous. They had a couple chances, but nothing crazy. I think Lampard was trying to lower the expectations for their game for their team after the after the game in his post match interview. He was saying how like. Um, this game kind of shows that Chelsea is not a title contender. I don't. He doesn't understand why people keep asking him if they're title contenders. There's teams out there that have uh, more longevity. They have they have players in their squads that have won leagues, cups, Champions League games, or Champions League titles, and they have some. They have some in their team that have done the same, but they're a very young team, and it's it's crazy to put those expectations on on his team when they're so young and they're barely coming together. And I see what he's trying to do. He's trying to lower expectations just in case the team doesn't do good. He could just say, hey, you know what? I've been saying it since the beginning or I said it earlier that this team is not a title contender, that it's a work in progress. He even said, like, talk to me in two, three years when maybe we've won some Cubs, we've won league. Then if you ask me if we're title contenders, then I'll say, all right, we're title contenders. I get what he's doing. Mourinho kind of did the same thing uh, a couple weeks back when they asked him if, if there were a title a title contender, if there were a horse in the race. And he said, oh, we're not horses. We're ponies. Like, we're not even a horse. We're a pony. We're not really, like, favorite. We're not really contenders. It's in the same, it's in the same idea what Lampard is doing. He's trying to lower expectations. He's trying to put less pressure on his team. I get it. It makes sense. But for all the money that Chelsea spent, for if you look at the roster top to bottom, they are definitely. They should definitely be title contenders this season, uh, and he needs to make it work. Uh, there's one statistic that I wanted to point out real quick. Uh, Chelsea's six wins this season have 
come against eighth, 18th place Burnley, 14th place Leeds, 20th place Sheffield United, 11th place Newcastle, 13th place Crystal Palace, 16th place Brighton, and Chelsea versus the top 10 teams in the table, zero wins, three draws, two losses. So was it a fluky run that they went on uh, that they just ended right now with their loss? We're going to find out. We'll see how they do. But Chelsea, Lampard has to do a better job against the top of the table teams. But I guess you can't. they, they couldn't keep their streak going. It was 17 games unbeaten. So we'll see how they bounce back. They play the Wolves in the middle of the week. And the Wolves are struggling right now, too. My Wolves are struggling right now. So we're, we're, we'll see if they're able to turn it around. And once they get their wingers back, once they get Pulisic, Hudson-Odoi, and Cizic, uh, I think they should be in, in a better position. So it, it sucks for Chelsea that they lost, but I I still believe that they have the team, they have the squad to have a top four finish and compete for the title. And as far as Everton, they stopped their skid. They were falling down that table rapidly. Big, big win without James, without Digne. They're able to get the victory. So shout out to Ancelotti. He got the win. They defended pretty good in the second half to hold that 1-0 victory and now they're able to breathe they're i think they're in seventh now so we'll see how everton finishes the season we might look back at this game and and see and this is where they save their season this is where they turn it back around but we'll see how they do uh i, I do want everything to do pretty good I, I, they're one of those teams that as a neutral i could kind of root for so we'll see how they end but Everton pulls up the upset in match day 12 against Chelsea. And we'll see how Chelsea bounces bounces back against Wolves on Tuesday. But that wraps it up for episode 22 of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. My name is Ismael San Juan. Thank you so much for listening to me. Have a great day.